Thanks for listening to a YPC podcast. We believe God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we'd love to hear about it. Take a second to send your story to office at ypcprior.com and enjoy the message today. Well, would you pray with me this, this afternoon? Father, we're so thankful for your presence. God, we're thankful and, and honored to have the opportunity to worship you freely today. Father, as it says in Ephesians chapter 1, Father, I pray that we have the spirit of wisdom and revelation, Lord, that we may know you better. Father, I pray that today, Lord, you speak to our hearts. God, that you make your word plain to us. Father, that we can draw near to you. And Lord, at the end of today, Father, let us say that we are closer to you than when we started. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 I'm going to do things a little bit differently today. Uh, I actually have this student. Um, in my student ministry, but to, to protect his identity and to save him from public embarrassment, I'm going to change his name to Son um, for the sake of the story. And, and so Son has this thing that he does. I don't know why, but he always comes up and he's always trying to fight me. And I, like, I don't know what it is, but he's like pushing me around. He always wants to wrestle. And, and he came up to me this one time and I'm sitting on this, on this couch at our house parties that we do. And, and as he comes up to me, he starts shoving my shoulder. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what's this dude doing? And, and he's, he's shoving my shoulder, and then he's, like, bowing up his chest. He's like, come at me, bro. Come on. Let's fight. Let's fight. And, uh, and he pushes me again and hits my shoulder again. He's like, come at me, bro. Like, come, come at me. And, and I looked at him, and I said, son? And, like, I know I changed his name to son for the story's sake, but in this instance, I actually called him son. Come on, like, it's, it's a mental thing. You got to get inside their minds. And, and, and so I'm like, I'm trying to get inside his mind. Like, I just aged myself 15 years by saying son. I'm like, I'm pulling the old man card at this point. I may or may not have fought in the Revolutionary War, like, with a sword. Like, I've got, I'm looking him dead in the face. I say, son, you already lost this battle. And he's like, he's like, what? He's like, bro, bro, what do you mean? I'm like, I've already defeated you right here. He's like, bro, no. What's that mean? Bro, no. That, is, that doesn't even make sense. I said, there's no point of even fighting, man. Because I already got the victory right here. You're already defeated. And then I walked off. And he was like, what? No. Take it, man. Take it. I, I lost. And it, it was so funny. But I think today, some of us came in and we've already been defeated right here. And, and, and there's a mental battle that we're facing. There's a battle in the mind that we're facing. And, and I don't know what your story is. I don't know what you're facing right now. But I do know this, that the devil comes and he puts thoughts inside your mind. And so you've been fighting for a while now and, and, and you haven't seen the breakthrough. And the devil's like, why, why are you still fighting? It hasn't worked. You've been fighting for your marriage and it hasn't broke through. Why are you still fighting? It hasn't worked. You've been sick for a while and you've been fighting. It hasn't worked. And, and I, don't, I don't know about you. I don't know every battle that I'm going to face. I don't know what's going to come at me tomorrow. I don't know what's going to come at me next year. But I do know this. I've got victory in the name of Jesus. Yeah. I've got a victory in the name of Jesus. And, and so right now, my wife and I, um, first of all, this is December 2nd. And this is my last month guaranteed without a kid. Hello. Come on, somebody. That's crazy. <laughs> Like, he might come next month. I'm ready or not, here he comes, right? And, uh, but we're, we're believing for it. And, and she read this book called um, Supernatural Childbirth. And, and through it, she's like, we're believing for a supernatural childbirth. But she came up and she said, I want a pain-free delivery. And so that's what we're standing for. We're, we're, we're believing for a pain-free um, delivery. And uh, she was saying that to somebody. And, and someone said, pain-free delivery? That doesn't happen. And, uh, and here's my personality type. Okay, I'm, let me, I'm gentle 
At least that's what I'm praying for, um, if you feel me. I'm praying for gentleness. And, and, and so Ephesians chapter 6 says, um, it talks about put on the full armor of God. And, and then it says that the Bible is the sword of the Spirit. And, and so, but if it was a gun, I would say I'm a little bit trigger happy. But it's a sword. Um, and so I pull out that sword at everything. Like, I feel like an attack is coming at my faith. Man, I'll whip that sword out so quick, and it's like fruit ninja. I'm like cutting down everything that's trying to attack my faith. I'm like, not today, Satan. And, uh, and I, she said this, and I'm like, man, this is an attack on my faith. And so I'm like, I'm biting my tongue because I'm, I'm ready to go off. And I'm like, no, be gentle. You're gentle. You're gentle. And then I turn around, and, and I walk off. And as I walk off, I'm like reminding myself because I'm not going to let this hinder my faith. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And so so if faith can come by hearing, then fear can come by hearing, doubt can come by hearing. And so I'm, not, I'm like, I'm not going to let this hinder my faith. And so I turn around, I'm like, mm, pain-free deliverance can't happen. Come on, somebody tell Lazarus that the dead can't rise. I'm like, tell blind Bartimaeus that the blind can't see. Tell the deaf man in Mark chapter 7 that he can't hear. And tell the paralytic in Mark chapter 4 that the lame don't walk. Like, I'm, I'm going off in my mind because, listen, I'm not going to let that ruin my faith. I'm going to pull out my sword. And, and today, I want, I want to stir up inside of you a faith that God has placed in you. Because otherwise, we're going to be defeated by the things that are going on in our minds. We're going to be defeated before the battle has even started. And, and I know that God has placed this faith inside of you. And I believe if you would reach into it, if you would tap into it, you'll see what God can do far beyond you can imagine. It's what I, what I weigh right here, Ephesians 3.20. God is able to do immeasurably, exceedingly more than you could ask or imagine according to the power that's at work within you. And if you would just tap into the power that's at work within you, you'll see God do the, the miraculous. You'll see God do healing. You'll see him set you free from addictions and, and, and from bondage and from poverty. And, and so I, I want to teach on these things. I skipped the introduction. I only have 35 minutes to preach. Y'all pretty much know me. If you don't, my name's Taylor. My dad's the pastor. He's not here today, so I'm preaching. We're going to have some fun. He's in, a, he's in like Pittsburgh or Philadelphia. I still don't know which one he's in, but we got to narrow down it starts with a p um and that's pretty much all i got but he's he's helping a pastor and uh, he's helping them and their church and their staff grow so that they can reach more people so i just want to say thank you uh, for being so generous and, and it's your generosity that allows us to to help other churches across the nation grow and, and to reach more people so thank you guys so much for being so generous but i want to talk to you um briefly with the time remaining um on on this thought the blood will be a sign the blood will be a sign. If you haven't grown up in church, this sounds like a horror movie. It's not, I promise. I'm not going to show some like weird clips on the screen. Um, it is a story that is the foundation of, of what we believe as followers of Jesus. And it's just as horrific as it was. It was heroic. But Jesus came. He died a brutal death. But three days later, he rose again. Come on, somebody. And... Uh, and I want to read to you in Exodus, and if you don't know anything about the Bible, that's okay. Um, don't feel guilty about it, but Exodus is the second book of the Bible, and, and I'm going to pick up in chapter 12. But in chapter 12, I want to give you some uh, background on what's happening. Israel, uh, the nation of Israel, has always been and will always be God's chosen people. And at this particular time, the nation of Israel is enslaved by Egypt, and they have been for over 400 years. And as they're enslaved, man, the people are crying out. They're desperate for God to move. They're desperate for God to deliver them. And so God has heard their prayers, and he's going to deliver them. And so he chooses this man named Moses. 
Now, Moses was an Israelite by birth, but he grew up in the house of Pharaoh. And, and so he had all the perks of, of education. He was, he was an educated man. He was taught leadership. So he was set apart. And then when he, when he grew older, he saw this Egyptian treating this Israelite um, badly. And so he kills the Egyptian. Pharaoh gets mad, wants to kill Moses. Moses then flees, goes to Midian. And then he, he gets to Midian and, and, and he finds this woman. Y'all seen Footloose? They start dancing. And you, we all know what dancing leads to. Come on. And, and so they, they went from dancing. He gets married to this girl. They, they have kids. And um, he's, we find him and God finds him in, in the middle of nowhere, taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. And this is the story of, of the burning bush. If you haven't even grown up in church, a lot of us know this story. But God came to Moses through a burning bush on the far side of the wilderness. And, and this bush was on fire, but it wasn't burning. And a voice came up out of the, the bush and said, Moses, where you're standing is holy ground. But at this particular place um, in the country, all these rocks and this area is a very rocky and it had these jagged rocks. And so they always wore shoes. But God says, hey, where you're standing is holy ground. And take off your shoes. Don't worry. This place is where I'm, I'm here in this place. And so Moses takes off his shoes and is, is face to face with the presence of God. And, and as he's in the presence of God, God begins to tell him that he has chosen him to, to use him to deliver all of Israel from the nation of Egypt. And after all of this, Moses is like, no, man, you got the wrong guy. And God's like, no, I chose you. And, and Moses is like, no, man, you got the wrong guy. God's like, no, I promise you, it's you. And they go back and forth and, and they argue back and forth on, on basically Moses is like, it's not me. And God's like, no, it is you. And this goes on for like two chapters. I encourage you to go through, read Exodus so you can, so you can understand this. But finally Moses agrees. And, and Moses and his older brother Aaron, they go back into Egypt. They approach Pharaoh and they're like, listen, God said to let his people go. And then Pharaoh said, no. And so like, all right, we're, well, we're gonna go talk to the boss man about this. And so they go back to the boss and, and they're talking to God. And they're like, God, he said, no, what do you want us to do? And God's like, tell him I'm gonna send some plagues. And so they go back and God ends up sending 10 plagues total. And, and after the 10 plague, Pharaoh finally let the people of Israel go. But Exodus chapter 12 is right before the 12th plague hit or the 10th plague hits. And, and the 10th plague is the plague on the firstborn. And so every firstborn that's kid and animal in the entire nation will die. But God comes to Moses and to Aaron, Exodus chapter 12, verse three, and it says, each man is to take a lamb. Verse seven, we gotta skip it for time. Go back and read it. Um, Exodus 12, verse three, each man is to take a lamb. Verse seven, then they are to take some of the blood. I love that it says some of the blood. Um, because if you look at Jesus, this is a foreshadowing of what's to come. Jesus is called the Lamb of God, and, and it was a little bit of blood. And the blood that Jesus shed on the cross covered all of eternity. A little blood goes a long way. So take some of the blood and cover the door frames, cover the sides of it, and cover the tops of the doorpost um, where you eat the lamb. Verse 13, it says, the blood will be a sign for you. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. The blood will be a sign. It was to take a lamb. It's supposed to be a male that was a year old. And it's supposed to be perfect without blemish. And it's, again, it's a foreshadowing of what's to come with Jesus to be the Lamb of God. You can read about that in Hebrews chapter 9 as well as 1 Peter 1.19. Talking about how God is this, he's the Passover lamb. And he's a lamb without blemish. And, and it's his life that was sacrificed on the cross. But, but I want to 
I can come in here and, 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 and we can get inspired and we can feel our faith begin to grow. But my word says that the devil comes for the seed's sake. And, and the seed is God's word. And if God's word can be planted inside of you and take root, and, and the roots go deep and you become rooted in faith, it's going to take a bigger storm and a bigger trial and a bigger wind to uproot you. And, and that makes the devil panic. And so he comes for the seed's sake. That way you never get rooted in faith. He's going to send something out to, to take you on. That way the seed comes out. So what you hear today, he's going to attack it because he doesn't want you to grow in faith. And so I want to teach you something today. That way you can stand in the authority that you have in Jesus. Are you with me? Yeah. And so I want to teach you on this, this, this thought of, I, want to, I actually want to explain the tabernacle to you. If you look through the Old Testament, um, it talks about the tabernacle. Um, it's also referred to as the tent of meeting. And, and this is the place where they encounter the presence of God. And at this point, the presence of God dwelled within a tent. And so um, we could just say that this room right here is the perimeter. And this perimeter, to divide it from the rest of the land, there was this curtain that hung and made this fence. And as you entered into it, this is called the outer court. As you entered into the outer court, there was an altar there. And the altar was made for sacrifices. And so the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And so anytime you commit a sin, the, the consequence for sin is death. No escape, doesn't matter what the sin is, every consequence for sin is death. And so before they could ever enter into the presence of God, they had to cover their sins that they had. And so they'd sacrifice an animal because the animal would die and it was the blood of that, that animal that was a temporary covering for them. Are you following? Is it making sense? And, and so they'd sacrifice an animal and then they'd move from the altar, then they'd go to what was known as the laver. And the laver, um, I don't really know how to explain it to you, I picture like a bird bath, like, you know, those concrete bird baths, like it stood up about three feet tall, except for it was solid gold and, and not concrete and ugly. Uh, it, it was real pretty. And, and so they, they washed their hands in this laver, and then they washed their feet, and, and they did that before they entered into this tent-like structure known as the, the holy place. This is, this is the holy place right here. It's the first room. And as they entered the holy place, there was a table right here made of gold. And it was actually made of wood that was covered in gold. And on it was these 12 loaves of bread. And, and the bread represents, at that point, um, eating together with somebody was considered the most intimate level of relationship. And so they would eat bread in the presence of God as the most intimate level of relationship with God. And then across from it was this candlestick. And so if you um, picture, you know, the Jewish... Uh, candles that you see a lot of times in windows, that is a replica of the candlestick from the tabernacle. There's seven different sticks on it, and, and it burned olive oil, and it was always burning because the light of God never goes out. It's always shining upon his people, and, and so the light of, of this candlestick was going, and then right here was the altar of incense, and, and they'd actually had these three spices, and as far as I've, I've learned, these three spices aren't around anymore, but they'd mix these three spices together along with frankincense, and then they'd pound it to a powder, and then they'd take some of the blood of the animal from the altar, mix it with the incense, and then they'd light it on fire and burn it, and it was to be a pleasing aroma to God, and as it was burning, they were worshiping God. And, and now only the priests and the most high priests could actually enter into this holy place. Everybody else, every man 30 years and older had to come to Jerusalem once a year to make a sacrifice, but they couldn't go past the altar. Are you following? Only priests could go past the altar. And so the priests would come, they'd wash their hands, they'd be cleansed, and then they'd go into the holy place, they'd do their ritual in the holy place, they'd worship the, the name of the Lord, 
And then behind the altar of incense was another curtain, and only the most high priest was allowed past the, the next curtain. And this is called the mercy seat, or the most holy places, or the holy of holies. And this is where the Ark of the Covenant was. Anybody seen Indiana Jones? Come on, you know what I'm talking about, Ark of the Covenant? And, and this is where the Ark of the Covenant was. The presence of God was in this place, but only one man, one time a year, was allowed to be in the presence of God. And so when he entered, he brought the prayers of all the people in the nation, and he came, and he talked to God, and he heard God speak, but it was only him until Jesus. Come on. In Hebrews 7, 19, it says, For the law made nothing perfect. For the law made nothing perfect. The law is, is a set of rules. You can read about it in the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible. It's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And, and basically what the law did was, was it told us that we're not really good. Like, like I, I read it and I'm like, man, I suck. I probably sinned like 80 times today and I didn't even realize it. Like that's what the law was to do. It was just to point to the fact that we're imperfect. It was point, to point to the fact that, that we're hopeless, um, that there is no hope for all of us. Like the only hope that we have is, is Jesus. And so it said, for the law made nothing perfect. It was only to point to the fact that we need a savior. And then Hebrews seven nineteen says, for the law made nothing perfect, so a better hope was introduced. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he sent his son to be the hope that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And, and so this, this, Jesus came because the law was imperfect. The law was imperfect. We had this tabernacle, but we were all separated from the presence of God. Only one man could enter into the presence of God. And so God had all his creation, but could not actually be in relationship with him. So he sent Jesus because this law was imperfect, and he desperately desired relationship with his people. And so he sent Jesus, who came and actually fulfilled what the tabernacle does. And so when Jesus came, his blood was shed, and his blood was shed for all, all the sins for all eternity. He was the Lamb of God. And, and so he, he fulfilled the, the altar. And then we go to the laver, and I had, actually had to do some research on the laver. And, and it comes from Titus chapter 3, verse 5. And it says, For he saved them by the washing of rebirth and by the renewal of the Holy Spirit. And so when Jesus died, we were washed in a rebirth. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Behold, Therefore, um, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone and the new has come. We are, we've been washed, we have been made new by the presence of God. And so he fulfilled what the labor did. And then we come into the holy place. And if, you, if you're familiar with what he says in John chapter six, he says, my body is, is the bread of life. And then at the last supper, when he takes the bread and he breaks it, he says, I'm breaking this and I give it to you to be my body. And he begins to fulfill the table of shoe bread. And Jesus is the light of the world. Are you seeing how this all comes together? This isn't coincidence. This is, we have to have context to bring the truth alive. If you want to have a revelation of who God is, get a revelation of what has happened in the past. It'll be a good indicator of what's to come. And so this was an indicator. He is the light of the world that never goes out, that is forever shining. They tried to kill him. He, he conquered death. He defeated death. He is the risen king. His light doesn't go out. And, and so he fulfilled the table. He fulfilled the candlestick. And then the altar of incense, we took the blood of the sacrifice. And through the blood of Jesus, we now enter into the presence of God. Are you following so Hebrews 7, 19, for the law made nothing perfect, so a better hope was introduced. The last part of it, it says, in which we draw near to God. Because beforehand, we were stopped right here. There's another curtain. We couldn't enter into the presence of God. 
because we were in sin. And the presence of God cannot be in sin. And so if a priest, if the most high priest did not go through his ritual like he needed to, the moment he stepped into the most holy place, he would fall over dead because there was sin present. And so, come on, are you you getting this? And so Jesus came to fulfill the tabernacle. He came to fulfill what was the tense of meeting. And it says in in Matthew chapter 27, and Jesus gave up his spirit. And when he did, the veil was tore from top to bottom. This is talking about the most holy place where the presence of God was tore from top to bottom. And the presence of God dispersed and no longer is in the mercy seat, but is now in the children of God. And, and I need to give you this historical context. Like, I went back and forth if I was going to teach this. I know it gets, it's kind of heavy and, it, and it's a lot of history. But I believe God wants you to see how hard it was to actually get to the presence of God. But now James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Yeah. You want the presence of God? Come after it. You want to see God do miracles? Come after it. You want to see God do a work in your life? Then just come after him because now you have the authority. And so because of Jesus and because of the blood of the lamb, because his blood was a covering for all of us, the blood will be a sign not only that is the tabernacle fulfilled, the blood will be a sign that we are now protected, that we are now healed, that we are now restored. And, and, and so we are made new creation, 2 Corinthians five seventeen. And so we are a new creation, but with new creation becomes new authority. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, it's the Great Commission. Jesus has risen from the dead. He's about to ascend into heaven. And as he's about to ascend into heaven, he looks at his disciples. He said, all authority from heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he says, therefore go. And when he says, therefore go, it is a transfer of authority. I've got all the authority from heaven, from earth. Therefore go. And he gives authority to you. And then in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, Jesus, again, he's talking to his disciples. He says, don't leave Jerusalem until the gift that my Father has promised you comes. You heard me talk about how John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Three verses later, Acts 1, 8, it says, and power will come over you when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be filled with power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. This is the authority of the believer because I have received Jesus as my Lord. Romans 10, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is is Lord and you will be saved because I have proclaimed with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord. I gain the authority of the believer. And therefore, when I have the authority of the believer, I don't have to worry about the attacks that come at me. We came in, some of us came in defeated in our mind this, this afternoon, but you don't have to be because you have the authority of the believer. Is this making sense? Are you getting this? And so 1 Peter 5, 8 says that the devil roams around like a roaring lion, seeking who he can devour. And, and, and the thing about a lion's roar is it will actually paralyze its prey. And, and, and so when they hear the roar, they're paralyzed with fear. And I feel like a lot of us at times, we get paralyzed with fear. We hear the results that the doctor says, we're paralyzed with fear. We hear what our spouse says, we're paralyzed with fear. And I think if we're not careful, we'll become paralyzed. And that's exactly where the devil wants you to be but you've got the authority and you've got the power of the Holy Spirit within you. Those, come on, those who have been saved have a new authority. They are new creations through Christ. And so no longer do I have to worry about the attacks coming my way. No longer do I have to worry about the voices because I stand on what the word of God says. Proverbs 28.1 says that the righteous are as bold as a lion. So the devil may sound like a lion. He may roar like a lion, but I got the boldness of a lion. And so I don't, I'm not worried about the roar. You can say whatever you want, but it doesn't matter what you say. I've got the word of God. Yeah. 
Are you following me? God wants to release inside of you the faith that he's put in you. And I think, I think we get too caught off by what we see. We're too caught off by what we see. We live, we live in a very physical realm. But we are, we are spirit beings. This is what we believe as Christians. That one day our body will die, but our spirit will live forever in eternity, whether in heaven or hell, whatever you choose. But we're so, we're so mind conscious, we're so body conscious, that we forget to be spirit conscious. And if you could be spirit conscious, then you'd begin to stand on what the word of God says, not what your feelings say. You see, feelings will always lead you to the wrong place. Feelings will always be deceiving. They'll tell you something that you don't need, and you'll begin to chase feelings, and then you'll find yourself unfulfilled. But if you could stand on the promise of God, not, not dependent on what you feel, but based off of what you know is true, what you know is right, it'll lead you to the promises that God has for you. And so the other day, I say the other day, it may have been like a month ago, two months ago. I don't actually remember what it was. I got it written down. It was the other day. Uh, I was praying, and, and I'm about to turn 24 next month. Um, thanks, Tyler. Woo, 24. One more year, and I get, a, I get an insurance break. Come on, Jesus. I can rent a car without being penalized. Uh, but I'm about to turn 24, and I I'm, see Ephesians 3.20. And to him who was able to do immeasurably, abundantly more than we can ask or imagine according to the power that's at work within you. I desperately want to tap into the power that's at work within me. And, and that has been my prayer here lately. I've been studying on how to do it. I've been praying, God, I want to tap into this power because I know it's inside of me. And the moment I can tap into this power, there's no limits to what I can do. And so I'm like, God, my 24th year, I'm going to learn how to tap into the power that you placed in me. And so, so I'm praying this out. I'm declaring what's going to come in the year 24. And, and as I was praying, God said, I want to do something in your heart, but I want to do it through your eyes. So I'm saying this to you so you guys can be my accountability. I want to do something in your heart, but I'm going to do it through your eyes. And for 23 years and 11 months, I've been colorblind. And uh, it's not a big deal. It's just something I've tolerated, but God will tolerate what you will tolerate. And, and, and so it's just something that I've tolerated and I've just lived with it just because it's just been a part of life. I didn't think it was anything to, to worry about. And God said, I'm going to do something in your heart, but I'm going to do it through your eyes. I need you to believe me for healing from colorblind. And I'm like, all right, if that's what you need. Or in this case, if that's what I need. And, and so I begin to declare it. I'm, I'm healed. I'm healed. My eyes can see every color, and I can recognize and name the colors. And I began to pray, and I said, God, um, have patience with me as I learn this, because for so long now, this has just been my life. And, and here's my problem. I prayed this, and I was, I was just spending time in prayer, and, and, I, and I'd been praying for about three hours, and I was like, man, ooh, God's moving. And, and so I was in the gym in the back of the building, and we had all these, like, curtains up for Virtue Night that we did, and, and they're all these different colors, and I'm praying. I've got my eyes closed. Like, I'm going at it. I feel like I'm calling fire from heaven, and I open my eyes, and I'm like, I was going to name every color of the curtain, but when I opened my eyes, I realized I, I was still colorblind. I was like, dang it, come on, God, I thought this was going to work. And, uh, and I got caught off by what I can see. But if you're familiar with Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says faith is confidence of things hoped for and of assurance of what we do not see. And so it doesn't actually matter if I see it or not. And, and people say, well, that's fake. No, it's not fake. 
I'm not faking it till I make it. I'm speaking it until it happens. It's not about faking it till I make it. I believe in the word of God. If I didn't believe in it, it would be fake. But I believe in the word of God. And so I'm going to speak it until the mountains move. And so just because I couldn't see it then doesn't mean that God didn't heal me. I believe what the word of God says more than I believe my own eyes. Why? Because I'm more spirit conscious than I am body conscious. And it doesn't matter what my body tells me. It doesn't matter what the feelings tell me. It only matters what the word of God says. And the word of God says that I've been healed, 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes. You have been healed. That's what I'm going to stand on. And if you can just get to the point where it doesn't matter your circumstance in your life, if you can just stand on what the Word of God says is true, and you know that it's true, and you hang on to the truth, then you will begin to see the truth revealed in your life. The blood will be a covering, and the blood will be a sign. When you see the blood of the Lamb, you'll understand that the, that the tabernacle has been fulfilled. You'll understand that you can come freely into the presence of God. When you understand the blood of the Lamb, then you'll understand that everything that you could ever need has already happened for you at the cross. Are you with me? What do you believe in God for? It's already been done. The Word of God, Ephesians 6. You've been equipped with the sword of the Spirit. Use it. Use it. We take for granted the presence of God. One man, one time a year, could go into the presence of God. You, you can enter into his presence whenever you want. Use it. Use it to your benefit. You've got the sword of the spirit. You got it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It is a weapon. When the devil comes to attack, you pull your sword out. I'm gonna declare war on the things that are coming against me. I don't know about you, but I've, I've got my sword and I've got my shield. And anybody seen 300? I'm not promoting it by by any means. Like this, this is not me promoting the movie 300. But if you notice the Spartans, they used their shield, and their shield was almost a weapon in a sense, and, 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 and the enemies could not come against him because they used their shield. Your shield is the shield of faith. Read Ephesians chapter 6. You have the shield of faith. What that means is I know by faith that I've been healed, and so I'm going to put up my shield. When the devil starts speaking and trying to get in my mind, tell me I'm defeated, I'm going to declare the truth about the word of God. I'm going to stand in faith. No, devil, I don't care what you say it looks like. I don't care what you say it feels like. I know what the word of God says. I'm going to put my shield up, and then I pull my sword. Are you with me? Declare war on the things that are coming against you. Declare war on the poverty. Declare war on poverty. It can't overtake you. God wants you to be blessed. God wants you to have, have things. People are like, God doesn't want you to have material things. Show me that in scripture. Because I, I, what I see is God says he wants us to be blessed. And, and I got chapter and verse at it, so come at me. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Love you. But Deuteronomy 28. It says, and they'll be blessed coming and they'll be blessed going. They'll be blessed in the city and out of the city. The fruit of the loom will be blessed. That they'll be the head and not the tail, the lenders and not the borrowers. It talks about blessing. God has blessings in store for you. Poverty cannot overtake you. Declare war on poverty. Addiction cannot overtake you. Declare war on addiction. It has no chance. It's already been defeated. Everything that you need has already happened at the cross. It doesn't matter what it feels like. It doesn't matter what it looks like. What matters is that God says it, so therefore it is true. There are some who believe that when God says he will heal you, it's talking about in the age to come. He says, I'll, I'll heal you. And there are people who believe that healing will come when we cross over into eternity. And that's true. We'll be restored in eternity. But I, however, am convinced that God will completely and totally heal you right here on earth. Why? Because every single person that went to Jesus was healed. His word says it, so therefore it is true. You got to take God at his word. 
You got to take God at his word. Declare war on sickness. Declare war on depression. He said, I'll give you a spirit of peace. I'll give you the spirit of peace. A peace that surpasses all understanding will come on you. Declare war on anxiety. It can't take you. Claim it. It's yours. Here's the thing. I don't like, I, I didn't like it when, when they told me that a pain-free childbirth couldn't happen because I don't like people who don't have authority trying to have authority over my life. Are you following? And so the devil has no authority over my life. Why is he trying? I have authority given to me through the name of Jesus. And so therefore, what's been said is true and I'm not coming off of it. Declare the war. Declare war on the things that are attacking you. Declare war on the things that you feel like are defeating you because no longer can it. No longer can it. The righteous are as bold as a lion. And the moment you are filled with the Holy Spirit, there's a new power that comes on you. The Greek word for power is dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite. It's explosive. It's powerful. And if you could tap into the explosive, powerful spirit of God, there will be no limits within you. There'll be no limits to what you can believe for, not because of you, but because of the righteousness of Jesus. Are you with me today? Are you needing a miracle? Come on, anybody want breakthrough today? Mark eleven twenty four says, whatsoever you believe or whatsoever you ask, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Whatever you ask, whatever you ask, I don't know what you're asking for. I don't need to know. God knows. But whatever you ask, believe that you've received it. It will be yours. There is no exceptions to it. There's no rules to it. You believe and you receive. Jesus said, he says, knock and the door will be open. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Declare the war. Declare war. I'm tired of the devil defeating us. I'm tired of... I'm tired of seeing our church people hurting and broken. I'm tired of them see, seeing them battling addictions when, when God has set them free. Yeah. I want faith to be released because he's already given us the power. Why don't we use it? Why don't we use it? If you just learn to fight, God will take your situation. He'll bring you through it. And, and I heard Pastor Stephen Furtick, he pastors... Elevation Church, he says, God doesn't just want to do a work for you. God wants to do a work through you. God doesn't just want to heal you. He wants to take the pain. He's going to heal you, but then he's going to take this pain that you've gone through and use it as a platform to proclaim, proclaim his grace, his mercy, his love, his peace. I don't want it just to work for me. I don't want him just to heal me and leave it at that. I want him to use me. And so I'm like, God, Stir within me the faith that you put in me. Stir within me, Lord. I want to see the mountains move for the sake of seeing mountains move. Mark eleven twenty three. say to this mountain to move. You know what you have to do? All you have to do is say. You don't got to move mountains. You don't have to pick them up and try to move them. All you got to do is speak to it. And so I'm going to keep on speaking to the mountain until I see the mountain move. Are you with me? Keep speaking to your circumstance until you see it move. Not what you feel, not what you see, but based off of what the word of God says. What, you, what do you want? What do you need? Declare it. And stand on it, and it will be yours. Will you stand with me? We're going to worship one more time, and, and, and as we do, to me, it's, it's, it's just this moment to seal our faith. It's, it's a moment where we can, we can surrender all. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary, all you who are tired, all you who are carrying burdens. 
He says, take my yoke upon you. I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. And, and, and I heard this, this man, his name's Brother Hagen. He started Raymond Bible Church over in Broken Arrow. I was reading this book. And in this book he wrote, he said, men in battle have not received the victory. I like the word, how, I like how he said receive the victory. Because there's a victory for you. There's victory in store for you. But if you're still in battle, it's because you haven't received what God wants to give you. It says, John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. Jesus comes to give you life and to have life to the full or life more abundantly. Freedom is yours. Healing is yours. Hope is yours. Peace is yours. Love is yours. But the devil is the thief that comes to try and steal it. You got to stand in the authority that which you have. Because if I'm still in battle, then I haven't received the victory. And so I've been changing the way I pray. I've been changing the way I stand in faith. No longer am I, am, am I asking God to move because God's already moved. Last night, um, it was my fault, but I didn't drink any water all day and was working outside all day. And I felt like I had this, this cold coming on me. I felt super sick. And I was so mad because I was like, I want to preach on faith tomorrow. And I feel sick. And uh, I was like, no, devil, you can't come at me. And, and I didn't pray, God, heal me, because I've seen what he did at the cross. He already healed me. I said, God, I received the healing in the name of Jesus. Therefore, I am healed. I took a nap, drank some water, got up, and then I went over my scripture. At 12.15 this morning, I thought about, like, can we send a mass email? I'm ready to preach right now. Let's do this thing. And, and, and here's the thing. God's already given to you. Receive it. I said, devil, take your hands off my healing. It's not yours. It's mine. God's given it to me, and you can't steal what's been given to me. You can't steal the blessings that's been given to me. You cannot steal the freedom that's been given to me. You cannot steal the hope that's been given to me. I'm going to fight for it. I'm going to stand on it. Devil, take your hands off of it. You can no longer have it. You cannot have my family. You cannot have my church. You cannot have my community. Why? I'm standing on it because he doesn't have authority. Are you with me? We're going to do this. I'm going to pray for you, and we're going to worship one more time. Can we bring the lights down? Father, I thank you for every single person in this place. God, I think I'm thankful for the authority that we have through the Holy Spirit. Father, and some of these people came in today defeated. But God, we now know that we have victory in the name of Jesus. So therefore, we declare victory in every life, in every circumstance. Father, I declare hope to the hopeless. Father, I declare healing to those who are sick. Father, for those who have been struggling with depression and anxiety, Father, I pray that the spirit, the supernatural peace come over them. God, the peace that surpasses all understanding. God, for those who have been dealing with worry, Lord, let your love fill them. Let, let your love fill their heart, God. The perfect love cast out all fear. So, Father, we speak to the fear and we declare it to leave. We speak to those who are broken. Father, we declare healing in their brokenness. God, your word says that you are close to the brokenhearted. Father, and for those who are battling addiction, Father, though they've been battling it long, God, and it's been a hard fight, Father, that they are free right now in Jesus' name, whom the sun sets free is free. God, we stand on it. It doesn't matter what we see. It doesn't matter what we feel. We know what the word of God says and we are standing on it and we will not come off of it. We declare your truth be revealed. We declare hope be revealed. Father, we're so thankful for the blood of the Lamb. 
that we can enter into your presence freely. God, we give you all the glory. We stand in all of you. In Jesus' name, come on, let's worship one more time. You have been listening to a YPC podcast. Visit our website at ypcprior.com to hear more.